With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All this world. Why, it's what I've been studying and working for. And how else do you suppose I can ever repay dear Grandpapa for helping me? Her voice broke and she stopped a minute, clasping her hands tightly to keep back the rush of words. "'Oh, Polly!' cried Alexia in dismay, and beginning to whimper, she tried again to put her arm around her. "'Don't touch me,' said Polly, waving her off with an imperative hand. "'Oh, Polly! Polly! And the rest of our set may feel as you do. Then I don't want them to keep on liking me,' said Polly, with her most superb air, and drawing off further yet. "'Polly, if you don't stop, you'll—you'll kill me!' gasped Alexia. "'Oh, Polly, I don't care what you are. You may teach all day if you want to, and I'll help you get scholars. I'll do anything, and so will all the girls. I know they will. Polly, do let me be your friend, just as I was. Oh, dear, dear, I wish I hadn't said anything. I wish I had bitten my tongue off. I didn't think you'd mind it so much.' And now Alexia broke down and sobbed outright. "'You've got to say it's glorious to teach.' said Polly, unmoved, and with her highest air on, and that you're glad I'm going to do it. "'It's—it's it's glo glorious to teach,' mumbled poor Alexia behind her wet handkerchief. "'And I'm glad you're going to do it,' dictated Polly inflexibly. "'I'm glad you're going to do it,' echoed Alexia in a dismal tone. "'Then I'll be your friend once more,' consented Polly, with a slow step toward Alexia. "'That is, if you never in all this world say such a dreadful thing again, Alexia Riss.' "'Don't ask me. You know I won't,' promised Alexia, in her spirits rising. So Polly went over to her, and set a kiss on her wet cheek, comforting her as only Polly could, and before long the pink satin bow, with a spool of silk hanging to it, and the scissors were found under the table, and Polly attacked the muslin cloud with redoubled vigor, and the girls' voices carried merry laughter and scraps of happy talk, and Mrs. Chatterton stole out of the little reading-room next to them, and shut herself up in her own apartment. "'Dear me, how fine that doll's gown is going to be, Polly!' exclaimed Alexia, after a bit. "'Is the lace going on all around the bottom?' "'Yes,' said Polly, biting off her thread and giving the muslin breaths a little shake. "'Felicia is tucking the flounce. Then I shall have to sew on the lace.' "'How many dolls are there to refurbish before to-morrow?' asked Alexia suddenly. Four. No, five, said Polly, rapidly counting. For the one that Grandpapa gave her Christmas before last, Celestine, 
you know, does need a new waist. I forgot her. But that doesn't count the new sashes, and the hair ribbons, and the lace ruffles round the necklines. I guess there are almost fifty of them. Dear me, I must hurry. And she began to sew faster yet. What a nuisance all those dolls are, said Alexia. They take up every bit of your spare time. That isn't the worst of it, said Polly. Alexia, I don't know what we shall do, for Phronsie works over them till she's quite tired out. You ought to see her this morning. She's up in the playhouse at it now, I suppose, said Alexia, dressing every one of them for the party tomorrow. Yes, said Polly, she is. Well, I hope no one will give her a doll tomorrow, said Alexia. At least no one but Mr. King. Of course he will. Oh, no one else will, declared Polly cheerfully. Of course not, Alexia. And then Jinx walked in, with his seven boxes exactly alike as to size, and deposited them solemnly in a row on the blue and white lounge. For Miss Phronsie Pepper, and not to be opened till to-morrow, Miss Mary. Polly, said Alexia in a stage whisper, and jumping up as Jinx disappeared to run over to the row, do you suppose they are dolls? I shall die if they are, declared Polly desperately, and sitting quite still. They surely look like dolls in the very covers, said Alexia, fingering the cords. Would it be very so wrong to open one box and just relieve our suspense? Just one, Polly. No, no, don't, cried Polly sharply. They belong to Phronsie. But, oh, dear me! And just think, said Alexia, like a Job's comforter and looking over at the clock. It's only half-past eleven, Polly Pepper. There's time for oceans more to come in yet. "'It's perfectly horrid to get such a scrap of an outing,' said Joel that night, sprawling on the rug before the library fire. "'Only four days! Why couldn't Mr. Marks be sick longer than that, if he was going to be sick at all, pray?' "'These four days will give you strength for your exams, won't they, Joe?' asked Van. Joel turned his black eyes on him and coolly said, "'Yes,' then made a wry face, doubled up a bit of paper, and aimed it at Fan.' Davy sighed and looked up anxiously. "'I hope Mr. Marks will come out all right so that we can go back Monday.' "'I only hope he'll stay ill,' said Joel affectionately. "'Tisn't safe, anyway, for us to go back Monday. It may be typhoid fever, you know. Mamsie?' looking over at her. "'They'll let us know soon enough, if that's the case,' said Mother Fisher, in the lamplight over by the center-table. "'No, I expect your letter to-morrow will say, come Monday.' "'Well, it's a downright shame for us to be pulled off so soon,' cried Joel indignantly, sitting straight. "'Think how soon the term ends, Joe,' cried Polly. "'Then you have such a long outing.' She sighed as she thought of the separation to come, and the sea between them. "'That's nothing. Only a dreadful little time. Soon we'll be gone,' grunted Joel, turning his face to look at the brightly leaping flames the cool evening had made necessary." Ben glanced over at Polly. "'Don't talk of the summer,' he was going to say, but stopped in time. Phronsie set her doll carefully in the corner on the sofa, and went over to Joel. "'Does your head ache often at school, Joel?' she asked softly, laying her cool little palm on his stubby hair. "'Yes,' said Joel. "'It does. Awfully, Phronsie, and nobody cares and says, "'Stop studying.' A shout greeted this. "'That's too bad,' said Phronsie, pityingly. "'I shall just write and ask Mr. Marks if he won't let you stop and rest when it aches.' 
"'Twouldn't do any good, Phronsie," said Joel. "'Nothing would. He's a regular old grinder, Marks is.' "'Mr. Marks,' said Phronsie slowly, "'I don't know who you mean by Marks, Joel. And what is a grinder, please?' Getting down on her knees to look into his face. "'And he works us boys so, Phronsie, you can't think,' said Joel, ignoring the question. "'What is a grinder, Joel? Please tell me,' repeated Phronsie, with gentle persistence. "'Oh, a grinder is a horrid buffer,' began Joel impatiently. "'Joel,' said Mrs. Fisher reprovingly. The fire in her black eyes was not too pleasant to look at, and after one glance he turned back to the blazing logs once more. "'I can't help it,' he muttered, picking up the tongs to poke the fire. "'Don't ever let me hear that excuse from a son of mine,' said Mother Fisher scornfully. "'Can't help it. I'd be master of myself, that's one thing.' Joel set the tongs back with an unsteady hand. They slipped and fell to the hearth with a clang. "'Mamsie, I didn't mean,' he began, finding his feet, and before anyone could draw a long breath he rushed out of the room. There was a dreadful pause. Polly clasped her hands tightly together and looked at her mother. Mrs. Fisher quietly put her sewing into the big basket and got out of her chair. "'Oh, what is the matter with Joey?' cried Phronsie, standing quite still by the deserted hearth-rug. "'Mamsie, do you suppose his head aches?' "'I think it must,' said Mrs. Fisher gravely. Then she went out very quietly, and they could hear her going up the stairs. With a firm step she went into her own room and turned up the gas. The flash revealed Joel, face downward, on the broad, comfortable sofa. Mrs. Fisher went over and closed the door, then came to his side. "'I thought, my boy,' she said, "'that I should find you here. Now then, tell mother all about it.' and lifting his head she sat down and took it into her lap oh dear cried joel burrowing deep into the comfortable lap oh dear oh dear now that is silly joey said mother fisher tell me at once what all this trouble is about passing her firm hand over his hot forehead and trying to look in his face but he struggled to turn it away from her in the first place i just hate school he exploded End of chapter 21. Recording by Brianna Simmons, Carson City, Nevada. www.semispot.blogspot.com.